Oh, thank you very much to the 20 of you that stood up. Thank you, that was very nice of you. All the rest of you, don't worry, that's fine. I love you too. Just kidding. Well, good morning, everybody. Ah, uh, what a fantastic fall season we've been in as a church. It's just been incredible, hasn't it? God's just been crashing in uh, on us over and over again. And uh, last week was amazing. And uh, yeah, I, uh, what, what amazed me was that at, at uh, 10, to, 10 to 1, which is normally when we're, all, we're already feeling like we're finishing, you know, our guest speaker last week had just finished preaching his first message. And, uh, and then off he went with a full-on second message. Were you guys there? You remember? And what amazed me was that uh, 50 minutes later, you were all still here. Because you were so hungry. And then just... Everybody's just started coming up. It was absolutely fantastic. And I love this church. I love being part of this church. And I love what God the Holy Spirit's doing. And uh, today we want to just continue. Because how many of you know that the river of God can't stay in the church? How many of you know that what happens in here can't stay in here? It's got to go out there. And, uh, and so this morning I'm going to be preaching uh, on the river of God reaching the world. Uh, I'm, in fact, going to be speaking a two-part series to today and then next week. And so those of you who are watching online, uh, it's great having you joining us and also all of you in here. It's lovely that you're here. And part two will be next week. And I'm going to be speaking on the river of God this week and next week, specifically how the river of God is called to flow into the Dead Sea. So let's get straight to the scriptures. Ezekiel 47, and uh, a very famous passage of scripture in which Ezekiel is given an incredible vision of the river of God that, of course, found, finds its absolute fulfillment. The vision finds its absolute fulfillment in the new heaven that's the new earth in Revelation 22, verse 1, where we see that in the... Uh, new earth, that's the new heaven. In the new Jerusalem, the river of God flows from the throne of God, bringing life uh, everywhere it goes. But under the old covenant, Ezekiel gets a glimpse of what it will be like when the river of God flows from all of God's people in Christ Jesus in the new covenant. And say, that's me. Say, that's me. That's me. Good. Verse 1. Actually, let, let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for your wonderful, glorious river that has been flowing, constantly flowing, and Jesus promised would flow from each of us in John 7, 37 and 38, where he said that whoever believes in him would Springs of living water would flow out of each of us. And Lord, we thank you that that river coming out of each of us because we believed in Jesus is flowing up out into eternity. But Lord, it's also flowing out into the world. And we thank you that we're the new, we're, we're in the new covenant, Father. Thank you that we are the temple of the Holy Spirit, us individually and corporately together. 
And together with all the churches in the Triangle region, Lord, would you cause your river of life to flow from us and flow from our church out into the world. In Jesus' name, bringing life everywhere it flows. So give us wisdom and revelation, Lord, as we read. Verse 1, then he brought me back to the door of the temple, and there was water, say water, flowing from under the threshold of the temple, under the east, for the front of the temple faced east. The water was flowing from under the right side of the temple, south of the altar. And he brought me out by way of the north gate, and he led me around on the outside of the outer gateway that faces east, and there was water running out of the right side. And when the man went out to the east with the line in his hand, he measured 1,000 cubits, and he brought me through the waters. The water came up to my ankles. Again, he measured 1,000, and he brought me through the waters, and the water came up to my knees. Again, he measured another 1,000, and he brought me through the water that came up to my waist. Again, he measured another 1,000, and it was a river that I could not cross. For the water was too deep, water in which one must swim, a river that could not be crossed. God is always inviting us into the river And when we first step into the river, we encounter the river near the throne of God. But when we first encounter the river, the river is just not forceful. It's it's a small river, just gently flowing. And we can step in ankle deep. Oh, wow, look at that. I'm I'm ankle deep. That's amazing. But then, of course, we can go knee deep. And now we begin to start to feel the river tugging at us a little bit. You know, before we could do whatever we wanted. Now the river's gripping us a little bit more. By the time we're waist deep, now the river's really beginning to get us. By the time we get shoulder deep, now all of a sudden, if we take one more step, the river's got us. We don't have the river. The river's got us. And this is what Ezekiel was experiencing. And when he, verse 7, when I returned there along the bank of the river, there were very many trees on one side and the other. And then he said to me, this water flows toward the eastern region. It goes down into the valley, enters the sea. Folks, for those of you who, like myself, I've had the privilege of going to Jerusalem once and uh, in the land of Israel. And facing east from Jerusalem, you go down the valley and down into a very, very dry valley, down towards, and of course, Jericho, and then, of course, the River Jordan is nice and fertile. But that river, if you turn right just there, it goes out, there's the Dead Sea right there. It is like a barren desert right there. And the Dead Sea itself, nothing grows in that sea. You can float in it. I have floated in it. It's kind of fun, but it's a bit stinky. There's a lot of nasty mud everywhere. So kind of, and rocks, sharp stones, and so on. But look what happens. He says, when it reaches this Dead Sea, its waters are healed. Everyone say healed. And it shall be that every living creature, every living thing that moves, whenever the waters go, wherever the waters go, will live. And there will be a very great multitude of fish because these waters go there, for they will be healed. And everything will live wherever the river goes. It shall be that fishermen will stand by it from Engedi to Engelaim. And they will be places for spreading their nets. Their fish will be of the same kinds of Uh, as the fish of the great sea, the Mediterranean, exceedingly many. 
but its swamps and its marshes will not be healed, and they will be given over to salt. Along the bank of the river on this side and that will grow all kinds of trees used for food. Their leaves will never wither, and their fruit will not fail. They will bear fruit each month. Because the water flows from the their water flows from the sanctuary, their fruit will be for food and their leaves for medicine or their leaves for healing. Folks, I want you to notice, okay, that there are no fish in the river up at the temple. The fish are in the Dead Sea where the river flows to. And I think this is a tremendous key for us to understand that, that the river of God, the purpose of God is that the river of God should flow from us through, by its banks, through and out into the world out there, the world that we live in, the world around us, the world that we often see is dead, and there are aspects of the world that's dead. What are some of the aspects of the world that are dead? Well, number one, there's a lot of religion in this part of the world. It's, it's called the Bible Belt, and that's because there's churches on every street corner. But not all of those churches are churches where the river of God is necessarily flowing. I'm not saying any particular church. I'm just saying that it doesn't matter how much church you have. If it's churchianity, it's still not Christianity. Religion is what we do for God. Christianity, or, or rather, I shouldn't even say Christianity so much, the cross and resurrection, ascension and glorification of Jesus, what we call the gospel of Jesus Christ, true Christianity, is not about what we do for God, but about what God's done for us. And the river of God wants to always flow to what's dead. It always wants to bring life to what's dead. Your world around you, whether it's your family, whether it's your workplace, whether it's the shopping malls, or, or, as, or as Ash was saying earlier, maybe your, your the mechanic workshop, where your car, you take your car, the places that we go to regularly, the, the gas station that we fill up at, you name it, the restaurants that we frequent, for those of us that fly in airplanes, the airplane that we're on, the airports that we're going through, wherever we go, the river can flow. But we must be intentional with our faith to release the river. The river of God has to be stewarded, everybody. The river of God has to be stewarded in, in meetings like this. You can't, the, the river of God is not just automatically there at a high watermark. All of us, collectively, we're called to steward the river. If you feel like there's not enough of God in your church, then bring God to your church. Are you with me? We all have a responsibility to steward the river of God. And uh, I began to think about this, and the Holy Spirit began to speak to me, and he said, Duncan, the river has got to flow to the Dead Sea. The river's got to flow to the world. That's my intent. That's my heart. That's what I want. I want the encounters that you all have in the church meetings, I want you to bring those encounters to the world so they can encounter me as well. And so I began to think about this, and as I was preparing, I felt the Lord saying, I want you to preach on the river, and I want you to, to divide it in two. 
I want you to speak about the gifts of the Spirit. Because the gifts of the Spirit, which are recorded in 1 Corinthians 12, Romans 12, uh, the gifts of the Spirit is the manifestation or the place where the manifestation of the river can happen through the saints, through the people of God. We can operate in the gifts of the Spirit in our church meetings, in our gatherings, but we can also operate in the gifts of the Holy Spirit outside of the church in our daily lives. And let's face it, everybody, we spend a very small amount of our lives in this place. And this building's not the church. We're the church. This building just keeps us from the elements, right? Keeps us cool in the summer, keeps us warm and dry in the winter. And, but the gifts of the Spirit, God's wanting the gifts of the Spirit for us to begin to operate in those gifts in the areas of our lives that we spend the vast majority of our time. And it's not necessarily while we're sleeping in our beds, although it could be uh, in dreams and so on and so forth, but the vast majority of the time is when we're awake and we're with our family sitting in the, in the house, around the kitchen table, around the dining room table, around the, uh, the living room, whatever it happens to be. Uh, but also in the place that we spend a huge amount of time, eight to ten hours a day, Monday to Friday, if you work a Monday to Friday, or if you work shifts during the whole week. That is where God wants you to become fluent in letting the river flow. And one of the greatest ways that you can let the river flow is through becoming fluent in the gifts of the Spirit, in becoming mature in giving the gifts of the Spirit away to the world. So I want you to turn, please, with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And uh, I was going to speak this week on the gifts of the Spirit and how there's an order to the gifts that if we learn that order, we can actually begin to flow really, really effectively and begin to bear fruit and see some of the supernatural things that the kingdom of God wants to bring in our ordinary lives so that we live supernaturally natural lives. But, uh, and then I was going to preach next week on healing, which is also one of the gifts. Um, but as I walked in, I was... I met a couple of people that I considered to be very prophetic and, uh, and they spoke to me and said, I just really feel like the Lord wants to bring healing this week in a special way. I feel like he wants you to teach on healing. And I'm like, huh, okay. Well, then by the time I came out of the prayer room, I just knew. And in fact, I told everyone in the prayer room, I'm switching it up. I'm going to do healing this week, teach on healing this week. And I'm going to teach on the gifts of the Spirit next week. Because how many of you know the Holy Spirit is the senior pastor of not just this church, but each of our lives. Amen? Okay, so we want the Holy Spirit to be the senior pastor, our senior pastor and the chief shepherd of our souls because he's the spirit of Jesus and the spirit of the Father. And as we learn to let the Holy Spirit lead us in our lives, we will begin to start to see the kingdom of heaven manifesting because the kingdom is in the Holy Spirit according to Romans 14, 17. So I thought, okay, we're going to go for healing. Yes, we'll switch it up. We'll go for healing this week. So I walk in, and as I'm standing there, and Ash was about to get up and open the first meeting, Josh, who was part of the first meeting, comes in with his kids, 
And he comes up, walks straight up to me. I said, hey, Josh, how are you doing? He said, I'm, I'm, well, actually, I'm really hoping that, that the Lord's going to heal me this morning. Yeah. I'm like, come on. What a confirmation. I said, Josh, this is amazing. I felt the Lord told me to switch it up and we're going to go for healing this morning. And then the Holy Spirit said, don't just talk about it, do it. So I'm like, okay, of course. So I get down on my knees. I put, I put my hand on Josh's knee and I said, Josh, whose fault was this? How did it happen? Well, I was pray, playing uh, paintball and, and uh, if he was here, I'd ask him to come, but I don't think he's here. But anyway, uh, I was playing paintball yesterday and I totally forgot that I'm 35 years old. He's very athletic, I might add, even though he's 35. Um, but uh, I was going at it like I was in my early 20s, and I ended up, I ended up doing something very bad or, or very uh, painful to my knee, and I could hardly walk. I was hobbling home. I, in fact, I was hobbling from the car to the car and from the car here, and I'm really in a lot of pain. I said, so, so whose fault was it? Well, I guess it was my fault. All right, well, why don't, you, why don't we start by you giving yourself a gift of forgiveness? So he gave himself a gift of forgiveness. And, uh, and then I just simply said, kingdom of God, come and will of your heavenly father be done, Josh. And I grabbed hold of that snake. Every snake's got a tail. So I grabbed hold of the snake by faith. I couldn't see it, but I just knew in my heart, I bet you anything there's a spirit of infirmity and every snake's got a tail. So I grabbed its tail and yanked it out in Jesus' name. I said, now check it. He's like, oh, and then he starts leaping. I mean, I'm, this, this guy could leap like an antelope. He, he, he leapt. In, in, the, in the first service, he came up and he leapt. He must have leapt about that high. No kidding. I, I was, it was incredible, wasn't it? And he's just leaping around. He's doing all these moves up here on the platform. And everyone's just going, wow, okay. We can safely say that you are healed. Praise God. And he was just beaming. His whole face was just beaming. And we just give glory to God. Yes, I'm glad there's somebody excited. Is that my daughter there on the front row? Good. Yes. It's so exciting. So, so we knew God wants us to zero in. So we're going to read Romans chapter 12. There are diversities of spirits, verse 4. Excuse me. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. I'm sorry. Uh, Romans 12 also talks about the gifts of the Spirit in another, in another way. But there are diversity of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are differences of ministries, but the same Lord. There are diversities of activities, but it's the same God who works all in all, everybody. The same God works all the gifts in all. Okay. So my encouragement to you would be, catch the fire, church family, be open for the Holy Spirit to operate in all of the gifts through you, even if you gain a certain fluency in particular gifts and God uses you mainly in certain gifts, don't limit yourself and don't title yourself up to those gifts, okay? You know, if you call yourself a prophet because you operate in the gift of the prophetic, then you'll end up labeling yourself, well, I'm a prophet. Well, okay, cool, but what else? No, I'm a prophet. Yeah, but cool, but what else? Well, see, because that's what labels do, don't they? We get stuck and actually get hemmed in by labels. And I want to encourage you, if there's any label that you 
own, take ownership. Let it be that you're a son or a daughter of your heavenly daddy. And that's about the only label that I like to take, all right? So uh, you could be a prophet, but just don't, you know, uh, use it as some kind of label. I'm picking on that because that's the obvious uh, one to do. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. For to one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit, to another the word of knowledge through the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healings. Say gifts of healings. Say that with me. Gifts of healings. Say it watching online. Gifts of healings by the same Spirit. Notice it's plural, by the way. Gifts of healings. To another, the working of miracles, to another, prophecy, to another, discerning of spirits, to another, different kinds of tongues, to another, the interpretation of tongues. And we'll look at all uh, some of those things next week. But one and the same Spirit works all things, distributing to each one individually as he wills. I want to zero in this morning in obedience to the Holy Spirit on the gift of healing, the gifts of, of healing. And because I think that the gift of healing is one of the most powerful gifts for the river to flow to the Dead Sea, for the river to flow to the world that's around you, for the world to see that the kingdom of heaven is powerful and that there's a king who's fully alive ruling over his kingdom through his people. And I think that gifts of healing flowing through us, together with all of the gifts of, of the Spirit, I think that it's one of the greatest things that keeps us from being religious. Because it's God at work amongst us, instead of us working up something for God. The gifts of the Spirit is God working through us. And that's what we want. We want the kingdom to invade. And so let's just zero in this morning on the gift of healing. In Acts chapter 10, verse 38, Peter, speaking at Cornelius' house, says, You know of Jesus of Nazareth, how God anointed him with the Holy Spirit and with power, and how he went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. And Peter didn't say this for Jesus' sakes. Peter didn't say this to say, hey, wow, Jesus, I, I, let me endorse you. You really are fully endorsed by me. You, you really were anointed. My gosh, wow. No, he's saying this for all the Gentiles that were listening in Cornelius' house and also for us today, whether you're in this room, looking online, wherever it is, for us to know today that the same Jesus that is anointed dwells on the inside of each of us. You have Jesus Christ dwelling on the inside of you and you are anointed to do good and you are anointed to heal the sick and you are anointed to heal and deliver all who are oppressed by the devil. Not just some, but all. Make a decision in your heart. I believe it, I'm in. I believe it, I'm in. Just make that decision in your heart. I believe it, I'm all in. In Matthew chapter 4, verse 23 to 24, we read this amazing uh, early glimpse, or, or not a glimpse, this early window into Jesus' ministry, the very ministry that we were just talking about from Acts 10, 38. 
says that Jesus went throughout all Galilee, teaching in the synagogues, proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every kind of disease and healing every kind of sickness. Why is that important, everybody, for us today? It's important because it means that there's not a single sickness or disease that has not already bowed the knee to Jesus and gone running. You will never face a sickness or a disease either in your own body or in the body of somebody else that you're ministering to that has not already fled from Jesus. I love that. That gives us authority, doesn't it? It gives us confidence because sometimes sickness can look very overwhelming. Especially when you've had sickness for a long time, now it looks really overwhelming. But let me tell you something, that sickness has already bowed its knee to Jesus. Yes, glory to you, Jesus. So I want to I confront some mindsets that I believe hinder us from seeing the fullness of healing in our own bodies and the fullness of healing when we minister to other people. And the first mindset that I want to tackle right now this morning, number one, okay, is that we don't realize what sickness is. We tend to have a biological approach to sickness because we're so modern. We're so knowledgeable now. We're very scientific. Even if we uh, artsy kinds of people, we are scientific enough to know that diseases have, you know, uh, uh, that, you know, if you were to look at a disease, you'd find that some diseases have viruses, some diseases have bacteria, you name it. And so we tend to have a biological approach, but let me tell you something, it is a spiritual approach that is needed. Yes, through biology, we can also bring healing, but it is a theological and spiritual approach that we need to have the primary mindset for when we come to dealing with sickness and diseases. And, and so what is this? Well, number one, we need to understand that sickness is actually death slowed down. Every disease and every sickness is death disguised And if it's not slowed down, you'll see it fully manifested and death will come. So take, for example, somebody who's suffering with HIV. If they have full-blown AIDS, what happens? You could be, they could be in a, a group of people and a common cold goes around and half of the group get a nasty sore throat for, you know, a week some of the group get that same sore throat for just maybe two or three hours in the afternoon, but that person with full-blown AIDS, that sore throat kills them that week, and they die. Why? Because they don't have an immune system left to slow down that sickness. And I use that example to illustrate so that you understand what sickness and disease actually is. It's death slowed down. When we know that, we can take the right approach towards it. And we don't keep it around like a pet. And we don't, we don't entertain it and think to ourselves, oh, it's just part of being a normal human being. We'll get over it. No, we kick that sickness out of us in the mighty name of Jesus. And here's the deal, everybody. Death 
is rooted in sin. Okay, sin was paid for fully at the cross. And Jesus conquered death at the cross and resurrection. Which means that Jesus has conquered all sickness. Whether it's fast, called death, or slow, called disease. It's all been conquered by Jesus. So we take the full power of the atonement. We take the full power of the cross. We take the full provision of Jesus' body. And we apply it by faith to our bodies. And we say, kingdom of God, come in my body. And will of God be done in my body. I remember how the Holy Spirit taught me. I used to get terrible canker sores in my, in my mouth. For those of you that are watching online from the UK, that's ulcers. Mouth ulcers, canker sores. They're known to be a virus, often caused by low immune system, whatever. I used to get them, and they would get so big, sometimes they could be the size of the end of my pinky finger, like huge on my tongue or whatever, and they could last for three weeks, and it felt like for somebody who's very talkative like me, it was paralyzing. It was paralyzing the muscle that's called my tongue. And I couldn't talk. Because I was just like... Ah, there's agonizing pain in my mouth. And you know, it's horrible when you have canker sores. Anybody who knows that, you live life, the entire of your life for those few days or weeks through the lens of your canker sore. You do nothing without being mindful of the fact you have a horrible, horrible sore in your mouth. And of course, that is not just true of canker sores, but can be true of all sorts of sicknesses. Well, I, the Holy Spirit would began to teach me the things that I'm teaching you, and so... I realized, what am I doing tolerating this canker sore? It's a sickness. It's death slowed down. I'm going to put my finger that's full of Jesus, full of the life of God. And I put my finger on my tongue. Hey, you listen to me, you canker sore virus. In the name of Jesus, get out of me. Well, you know, pretty, pretty quickly, I started to get healed almost every single time. And I noticed that if you deal with that canker sore when it's little, it's a whole lot easier to deal with it than when it's big. And all those little viruses that come in, when you feel that, that first feel the symptom of a common cold or a sore throat and you feel it, deal with it then. Don't sit there and go, oh no, I'm going to get, that's right, I'm getting a cold. It's Thanksgiving time. I'm getting a cold. I always get a cold at Thanksgiving and I'm miserable. Then I'm miserable all through the holiday seasons. And then it gets on my chest. It goes from my throat to my chest. And then, and then I'm going to be sick all through Christmas. And I'm just a miserable, I hate winter. No, don't let the floodgates open like that. Shut the door in the name of Jesus. And you just put your hand on your throat and you say in the name of Jesus, get out of me, sore throat, and never come back. Come on, get violent. Why not? It's getting violent with you. All right, so not only do we start having victory if we realize that sickness is death slowed down and the power of sin is conquered through the cross, therefore the power of death is conquered, therefore the power of sickness is conquered, we also have to realize that healing, point number two, healing is for today. Many Christians believe that healing is not for today. Healing is for today. Hebrews 13 verse 8 says that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, 
today and forever. If healing's not for today, how come you're going to the doctor? Number two, we often think that, well, maybe it's not God's will to heal. It's always God's will to heal. How do we know that it's always God's will to heal? We know from the scriptures. Most especially we know looking at the gospels. And most especially we know from Matthew chapter 8, verse 1 to 3. Because in the gospels, we know that Jesus healed every single person that came to him and asked for healing. Not once in the entire Gospels is there a recording of Jesus saying, uh, I'm ever so sorry, not you, because it's just not the Father's will for you to be healed today. And we know that Jesus is the exact representation of the Father's being. He's the radiance of his glory. We know that he said to Philip, Philip, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Don't you believe that I'm in the Father and the Father's in me? Whatever I've done, all of the works that I've done, John, 4, John 14, it's not me who does them. It's my Father living in me who does these works. So we know by Jesus's by the revelation of Jesus Christ, who is the revelation of God, we know by all that he did in his life that it is always God's will to heal. We most especially see it in Matthew 8, verse 1 to 3, because if ever there was a moment that was a perfect setup for the Father to show us all, for all, once and for all, throughout history, that sometimes it is the Father's will to heal and sometimes it isn't. And the reason I'm laboring this point, ladies and gentlemen, is because all across the world today, there are churches who teach, and maybe some of you sitting this morning, and maybe some of you watching online, you actually believe this, that it is God's will for you to be sick because he's got a lesson to teach you. And we'll come on to that in a minute. But if it, was God's, if it was true that sometimes it's God's will to heal and sometimes it isn't God's will to heal, surely there would have been just one story of that. And surely the scriptures wouldn't have been filled with the opposite, which is that Jesus healed everybody constantly. So where in the world did we get to where we are now, where we believe that, or some believe that it's just not God's will to heal? And that's why we don't see any miracles. Well, guess what? That's why we don't see any miracles. In Matthew 8, 1 to 3, here comes a leper. He throws himself at the feet of Jesus and he says, if you are willing, you can make me clean. What a perfect setup. If you are willing. He had the same mindset that's across the church in so many places all over the world today. If you're willing, God, mom, just don't know if you are. But if you are, just if, you know, just hopefully if. And Jesus could have said, you know what, I'm Sir, I'm so glad that you've come to me and it's lovely that you got down so low on your knees and very humble of you and everything. But I, I'm not going to make you clean today because I just asked the Father and it's just simply not his will. And I need everybody for all time to know that, that uh, sometimes it's my will and sometimes it just isn't. I really need everyone to know that. Because in 2,000 years, that's what they're going to be preaching. And I need them all to know that. No, that's not what he says. In the perfect opportunity for him to say that, that's not what he says. What he says is, I am willing. 
and he reaches down his hand and he touches them, touches the man, and he's instantly made whole. He's instantly made clean. Why? Because in the new covenant, the clean makes the unclean clean. Light breaks the darkness. In the new covenant, the holy makes the unholy holy. Listen, you don't need to be scared of walking into the into darkness because the light that's on the inside of you will always overcome the darkness. You don't need to be scared of places where demons hang out. You don't need to be scared of places where people filled with demons hang out. You don't ever need to be scared ever, period, because you've got Jesus living on the inside of you and he's conquered every single thing you'll ever face in this life. And the man's made instantly, instantly hold, instantly hold. And I want you to notice, okay, that Jesus said, I am willing. Why did he say, I am willing? Because he wanted that man to know, and he wants us to know, that he's the great I am. I am the light of the world. I am the door. I am the good shepherd. I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. I am willing. There's never a moment when he's not willing because his very name is the everlasting willing one. You could call him William. It's just a joke, everybody, just a joke. Okay. All right, one of the worst, most demonic false doctrines, number four in the church today, defames the very nature and the person of the Father, and that's this, that God gave you or them this sickness to teach them a lesson. Listen, if God gave sickness to you to teach you a lesson or other people sickness to teach them a lesson, how come are you going to the pharmacy to get out of the lesson? Why would you go to the doctor to get cured if God's teaching you this lesson? Well, the answer is God wants you to go and get healed because he isn't using sickness to teach you a lesson. He's not that evil. He's perfectly good, and he would never resort to such a horrible demonic tactic. He's got better ways of teaching you the lessons you need to know. Can he use the whole experience of sickness to bring you back to his goodness and get your thinking straight? Absolutely, yes, he, yes, he can. But is he the author of that sickness for you to learn that lesson? Absolutely, absolutely not. Excuse me. So, how many of you in this room are parents? Put your hands up. Keep your hands up if you believe that as a parent, godly discipline is a good thing for your kids. Keep your hands up. Uh, keep them up, everybody. That, that's just a little tip. Keep it up. Don't embarrass yourself in front of everyone. Okay. Number, I want to ask you, how many of you would, would give your children cancer to teach them a lesson? See, look at that. Not one single person in this room. All right. Do it again. Put your hands up if you have kids. Keep them up if you believe in godly discipline, teaching your children good lessons. How many of you would give your children a sore throat for just a couple of hours in the afternoon? Guaranteed, only two hours. That's all. Just two hours. Just that's all. Not one single hand. And we're not even good, everybody. We're dim in our thinking. How much more would a perfect God never resort to this, those tactics? Why would we ever put that on him? It's a defamation of his name and his glory and his goodness. Get it out of your thinking and you'll begin to see amazing miracles. All right, come on, shaka banga. Let's stand, everybody. You know, one day I was praying and I said, God, with all my heart, I ask you that you would open the eyes of the blind. I was in the secret place in my prayer closet. God, with all my heart, I ask you, open the eyes of the blind. I even got on my knees. 
God, please, with all my heart, I ask you, open the eyes of the blind. How many of you pray like that? Good, I'm glad Murray does. I'd like to suggest that all y'all pray like that from time to time. But you know, the Lord interrupted my prayer and he said, Duncan, it would really help me to answer your prayer if you'd get up off your knees, leave your prayer closet and go find a blind person. You see, there are some things that God won't do near his throne in the river. There are some things that God will only do when you take the river to the world. And there are some miracles that God cannot do until you are in the world in front of a person who needs that miracle. No matter how spiritual and no matter how much you pray, whether you pray 24-7, whether you play your guitar while you're playing. Pr- while you're praying. There are some things that God can only do when you face the world. How many of you are sick or hurting and need healing in your body? Put your hand up. Okay, I'd like every person that's near you, okay, to, get, to gather around you, all right? So keep your hands up so they can see who you are. And we're going to just expect God to do some amazing miracles this morning. So keep your hand up. And if you see somebody with their hand up, like I'm seeing two people right here and nobody's going to them. So, or several people actually right here. So gather around each other and put your hand down when you've got somebody, but keep it up if there's no one with you. Put your hand down if somebody's with you, but keep it up if no one's with you. Okay, sir, you're standing right behind someone. Well done, good. There's a lady over there. There's several people with their hands up. Guys, move around the room. Go find somebody with their hand up. I want... I want everyone with their hands up to have somebody standing with them. That's good. Okay, here we go. Put your hands down unless there's no one with you. Okay. All right, you're going to ask the person, tell me in 15 seconds what's wrong with you. Don't, don't, don't ask them to tell the whole life story. Just 15 seconds, tell me what's wrong with you. What's hurting? Where's that sickness? Etc. Okay. All right. Now... You should have already heard the story by now. Okay. All right. I'd like everybody looking this way, please. Look this way a moment. I'd like you to say this to them. I've got good news for you. The kingdom of heaven is within your reach right now. Okay. Then what you're going to do is this. Listen up, everybody, because I want to tell you the sequence. You're going to say, kingdom of God, come right now. Will of God be done. Because we're not praying for the sick, we're commanding healing. We're healing the sick. So we're going to say, kingdom of God, come. Say that with me. Kingdom of God, come. When? Right? Will of God be done. When? Right now. Okay. And then, guys, you're going to grab that snake by its tail and yank it out of them. Just don't, don't yank them. Just pull that thing out of them by faith. Okay? And then, listen up, everybody. You're going to tell them to check it. When you tell them to check it, tell them don't look for the pain, look for the miracle. All right? Okay, go for it, everybody. Go for it. All right. Okay. Say, kingdom of God, come right now. Will of God, be done right now in my friend. I command that spirit of infirmity, come out and grab it by the tail and yank it out. All right, tell them to check it. Tell them to check it. Do something you couldn't do before. Move those arms. Bend that. Bend your back. Jump up and down on your feet. Do something you couldn't do before. All right. Awesome. 
tell them, check it. And ask them, how many of you, you just got healed? Raise your hand. The pain just left. You just got healed. One. Put your hands up if you got healed. Two. Three. Four. Five. Six. Six. Six people. Seven. Seven. Eight people already. Okay, come on. God's on the move. He's in the room. He's healing people. How many of you know we can't do that? Only he can do it. Okay, Murray, where's Murray? Come on up, Murray. Okay, so guys, we're going to have one more go now. Okay? All right. Because we're stirring faith up here. And Jesus had to pray twice with a blind guy, so maybe you might have to. All right? So here we go. Say, kingdom of God. You do it. Say, kingdom of God. Come now. Will of God. Come on up, Mark. Come on up, Mark. Be done. In Jesus' name. I command that snake out of you, that spirit of infirmity out of you. Now tell them to check it. You must tell them to check it because that's often when the miracle happens. And also it'll keep you from going into prayer mode. Check it. How many of you, you just got healed right then? Raise your hand. Good and high. I want to be able to see it. Okay, good. One, two. How many more? Anybody else? Three. Three. Four. Four more people. So that takes our total five. That takes our total well over ten people this morning. Guys, listen to me. It's that easy. Go and release the river of God this week. Amen. God bless.